everyone. Welcome to Everything is Black and White, the Chronicles podcast, uh, which covers all matters Newcastle United. A little bit of a change of tack from us today. We will be discussing the Manchester City uh, debacle. Is that fair to say, lads? That it was a debacle, or, or, or um, you know, best, we, uh, yeah, I think I think I think that's very safe to say. But we'll we'll be dis- discussing that a little bit, and then we'll be taking a few questions. I think um, certainly on social media, we've kind of noticed uh, a few recurring questions about the uh, Chronicles editorial lines. So this is a good chance for. Lee, uh, Lee Ryder, who's here, the Chronicles Chief Sports Writer, and uh, Andy Fowler as well, uh, as well as myself, Mark Douglas, to kind of answer a few of those questions and maybe actually take a few of them head on. Um, but I think we'd be kind of not doing our job if we didn't start with um, Saturday and uh, have you recovered, Lee? Well, it was, you know, it was deflating really because obviously to concede such a stupid goal after 28 seconds was it's hard enough against Man City they don't need favours they certainly got favours from Newcastle and it was just far too easy for them you know Man City didn't really break into a sweat from from, from where I was sitting and uh, it could have been so much worse uh, it could have been 9-0 10 it could have been anything and uh, by the end the weird thing was you just kind of felt relieved that it was only five from a from a Newcastle point of point of view and um you know, they've got to respond against Aston Villa. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, the, the one thing that people are kind of saying now, I think we all thought relegation was off the cards. Mm. Andy, I mean, this Saturday, is it now, is it now, is it now moved into the fabled six-point era? It, it, yeah, it, I mean, you can get the whole, it's a must-win. Well, against Aston Villa, that, that surely can't be the way you look at it. I do think they'll win. Um, you can't. They, they can't play anything like they did against Manchester City, and it's a different prospect playing Manchester City. I get, you know, they've played them three times this year. They picked up one win in the League Cup, but it was an absolute shambles at the weekend. I don't think relegation is 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 on the cards, even if the run towards the end of the season is is horrific. Their early form at least gave them that bit of a cushion. It doesn't detract from how bad they've been. Doesn't detract from that actually. It could be relegation form, but I think. Couple more, they'll scrape, they'll scrape through. Um, I don't think it'll be pretty against Villa, um, but it is. It, it's as close to a, a must-win as you can get against a team that are not going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna we'll, we'll come and address John Carver in particular and kind of our feelings towards towards uh, who, who's who's going to get this job uh, very shortly. But I, and I do, and I personally kind of think that you know, obviously, John Carver has to take quite a lot of blame for, for what happened on Saturday, but. I think we've kind of got into a, a, a little bit of a thing with Newcastle United now where Alan Pardew took the blame, John Carver took the blame, Lee, you've done a terrific piece today in which you've t- basically said, look, some of these players are not fit to wear the shirt. My own opinion is that some of these players are getting away with murder because the blame is being shifted onto the manager, mm-hmm. it's been shifted onto um, sometimes obviously Lee Charnley as well on the board, and I think that's all absolutely valid. Do you think there's something where maybe we should be kind of questioning a few of these players? Because some of them just looked as if they gave up on that. Yeah, I think, you know, Vernon and Nita didn't... It was almost like someone needed to tap them on the shoulder and say, actually, this is a Premier League game yeah. and there's millions of people watching. And uh, Hidara wasn't too far behind them in terms of ineptness. Um, but I, I think, you know, looking at it overall, there's, there's a lot of players here... Who some of them have been linked with with big moves to Arsenal, PSG, um, Sissoko being one of them, um, and I'm not singling him out. Um, but if he wants to get this big move, or what, what if any of these players want to use Newcastle as a stepping stone? They're going to have to do better than that. Yeah, yeah. Because 
the what my, the expectation against Man City is you go then you give them a game you yeah. know but they rolled over for, to get the bellies to well, that, that's, that's the irony of it isn't it some of these players this is the stage that if you want to go and say right come on big clubs come and get me yeah. you know they're going to be here for the next couple of games it's the one time that you do stand up and even if it's all going a little bit wrong if you stand up you're the one fighting for it any prospective clubs are going to go tell you what mm. I fancy him and I don't think oh, we spoke there I don't think anyone did do that no I, I, and the interesting the interesting final point on, on Saturday was really that the way that the team sort of they didn't really offer anything did they there wasn't really ever I mean they, they had you know there was obviously a game plan well, as I said we will come on to Carla there was a game plan there but really you have to feel a little bit sorry for the manager when 28 seconds out there Look, and that's those players, isn't it? It's the players they're being given, they're being pampered, they're being defended by the manager as well. The manager is, you know, and, and I think he's, he's causing his own problems by doing that. But the manager's defending them and they're not really responding. Well, it's the modern, the modern player, is, for me, is too sensitive and, and they can't take uh, criticism. And, you know, I'm someone who, who gets criticism from, in my line of work, but yeah. you've just got to take it on the chin and stick to, stick to your beliefs from that point of view. But these players... They seem to be like you know close to tears if if they're getting uh, getting criticism and the, the the one thing that stood out for me was at the end of the game uh, there was a couple of players when well, no, I think Tim Krull, Jack Colback, Ryan Taylor went over to the away fans. Some of the players were trying to get off the pitch, mm. and Steve Stone and Dave Watson were turning them back round and saying go over and applaud the fans because yeah. the fans on Sat for all what's been said on social media. Fans did not turn on that team on, mm. on Saturday, and, and they had every right to. It's amazing, really. Isn't they it? could have absolutely slaughtered them. They could have been singing "You're Not Fit to Wear the Shirt," you know. They could have done any of that, but they didn't. They stuck with them, and I think that you know shows you, you know, how loyal and faithful the Newcastle fans are. Maybe, maybe too faithful, arguably. Yeah. Uh, I think that that kind of brings on to the next point. Uh, Lee had the the sort of dubious pleasure of actually being at the game on Saturday. I wasn't there. I was. Uh, doing things from the uh, from the office along with Andy here, so I was kind of monitoring our social media accounts. Now, uh, the reason, one of the reasons why we're doing, why we're kind of asked for questions today at the podcast was because I was noticing a lot of things that were coming through. And let's take it on head on here. Um, this kind of idea that last week, in particular, um, the Chronicle was. I think it was the idea that we, there's an editorial line from the top somewhere that we're backing John Carver. We want John Carver to get the job and we are spinning things in John Carver's favour. Now, before I get into the questions, Lee, mm. um, obviously you've got a response to that. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a misconception um, from, from a lot of people. I've been really surprised at some of the things that have been said by, by, by some sort of punters on, on Twitter because, you know, as a newspaper, no matter who the manager is, you go to the press conference, mm. you know you know how it works. We ring our sports editor and say, right, this is what whoever the manager is is saying. And that's been the same for Keegan, for Glenn Rohner, mm. Chris Eaton. All the managers have been quoted in the paper. So I don't quite get why all of a sudden we're, we're back in Carver by just reporting his quotes, because mm. every other newspaper is. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't quite understand why people have this thing. Um, someone asked me today, uh, "Do I still want John Carver to get the job?" Well, I've never said that. I've, yeah. I've, I've said I've been consistent all the way through. Newcastle United need a winning head coach who's going to win more games than they lose, mm. and that sounds very basic. Mm. But Alan Pardew lost more games than he won. 
now Newcastle needs someone who's going to take it on a little bit. At the moment, John Carver's not doing that, mm. and he knows that he has to improve that. If he doesn't improve the results this season, then the scrutiny will go up. If he does get the job, which, you know, they came out and defended him last week, the club, we reported that. Mm. You know, every other newspaper would do that. Mm. Uh, report what a chairman of a football club is, is saying, and that's exactly what we've done. If he does get the job, then he'll need back in with, for me, seven or eight new players yeah. next season. And then it's up to him to, to push on. But at the minute, none of that's happening. Mm. He's getting beat. And Newcastle have got a decision to make. Do they continue to back Carver? Or do they go back to the shortlist and, and get you know the coach that the fans want to see mm. in place for next season? Do you at the moment think that he, 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 can't, he can't take this job on the way things are at the moment? He, he's almost like the results and the way that things are going... You know, I mean, you're not sort of leading a campaign to try and get him the job off the back of off the back of that at all. I mean, I haven't seen that in you know, I've worked I worked hand, hand in glove with you for two, well, however many years, five years we've worked mm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've actually heard you actually say once, and, that, and this is honest. I'm just saying this. Um, I don't think I've ever heard you say that you want John Carver to get the job. To be perfect, I don't think anybody in this office has said that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's my take on it. I mean, John's been at the club. Uh, a long time when you kind of cobble together his two stints um, and he's worked with all the top managers Newcastle have had um, but he seems to be getting tarred with the kind of Pardew brush mm. rather than the Keegan or, or, or Robson thing and he is he's, he's in a tough position um, and he knows that but I think to be fair every question every tough question that's come his way in press conferences and there was some tough ones at Crystal Palace I asked him about the substitutions mm. There was some tough one. There was tough for him on Saturday in, a, in, a, in that massive press auditorium mm. at the Etihad Stadium with all the nationals sitting there. It was tough for him, but he answered all the questions. Um, and for me, I don't think Alan Pardew would have. You know what it's like. Alan Pardew in some press conference wouldn't even speak to me. No, no. But Carver is taking the questions. He's trying to give an answer that he thinks the fans want to hear maybe. I yeah. don't know. It seems to be rubbing some people up the wrong way, but yeah, a, worth, a point worth making. Just um, obviously, I mean, I think people are going to be sitting sitting there uh, wondering what the process is of of how you are interacting with John Carver. Very a point worth making there about Crystal Palace game when he was getting a stick. That was your question, and you were the one. Who, you were the one who confronted him on on that. Why did you make that substitution? Because you know you obviously thought that was an issue and thought that was something that needed to be brought up well I was the only one who asked questions at Crystal Palace um, and I think it was pretty I think there was only one other question at Man City as well mm. I don't know if some of the other journalists think that uh, John's a bit scary or anything yeah. like that but that, that was the situation and um, we've got to ask questions if I don't ask the questions then I can't I, I can't ring my sports desk up and say sorry I haven't got any quotes today yeah. or let's just leave the John Carver quotes out because it's upsetting some people mm. I yeah. don't know I don't know what the answer is to that um, the first point here uh, from Kevin Moynihan on uh, Twitter uh, he's saying when were you asked the hard questions of the club and not kiss John Carver's backside like you did last week now for me I think um, you know the, the John Carver stuff last week that we're talking about I think there's a piece behind the, the, behind the scenes at the training ground which a few people did mm. um, that was 
I mean, the thinking behind that one, Lee, the thinking behind writing that piece, it was it was basically something where you felt you wanted to kind of give a bit of information, was it? It's, a a bit, it's an insight to what is going on behind the scenes, cause, and I don't think you get that at many Premier League clubs. Mm. Now, when you... I think if you ask most sports editors around the country... Um, and you went in the office and said, "Look, we've been, we've had a little tour around the scenes, and we've seen what's going on behind the scenes. How does that sound for a piece?" I think they'd probably bite your hand off. To be fair, yeah. more, more sports editors I've ever worked with, mm. because it's very unique to get that access. Now, the other Premier League clubs, I, I can't think of another Premier League club or Premier League head coach who would sit, actually invite you behind the scenes and show you the things that they've changed. I know, obviously, JC done that. Maybe to, you know, you know, give people an insight of yeah, of yeah. How, what what he's changed and yeah, of course he's, you know, if a prime if a politician wants to be prime minister, then they're going to have their own their own kind of output yeah. in terms of information in order to to win the post. So mm. it's it's pretty similar in football management. And the 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 key question here is, did that influence the way that you covered the game on Saturday? Well, Absolutely. you just have to read the match report. Yeah, I think yeah. uh, stupid defendants a headline yeah. on, the, on the back page, and if there's, I think, what's the highest mark? Um, I think Krull. Tim, Tim Krull, Krull on a seven. Tim Krull on a seven. Falls yeah. two on Carl Batten Sissoko on five. Perez Cici on five. Anita on three, and the rest on four. So, yeah. you know, if I was wanting to stay on side with John Carver, then that wouldn't be the way to go about yeah. it. So. A lot of the things that get said, um, I can see that people who aren't involved in journalism don't understand the process sometimes. I think a lot of it's unfounded. Yeah, and, and also in that match report as well, there's criticism of John Carver directly, which is worth which is worth pointing out. Um, I'm just going to address another one here, which I think probably is my is my reader here. Michael Martin, the editor of True Faith, has asked a question, which I think quite a lot of people are asking, um, or have kind of like implied really. Uh, what was the deal? to get access back to Newcastle United um, between yourselves and the club. And the answer, quite simply, is that when the ban was lifted, obviously we were banned for over a year um, for something that uh, Mike Ashley... Um, well, we, we covered uh, March against Mike Ashley, um, and that was felt by the club to be disproportionate. Now, their issue with a lot of our coverage at that time was that there wasn't enough balance, I believe. Um, you know, I don't want to kind of go into too much about what was said behind the scenes, but there was absolutely no deal or agreement in terms of you're not allowed to criticise us anymore, we're, gonna, we're not going to do this. I think what's happened since the ban was lifted is that the club are working with us a little bit more in terms of, obviously, Lee Charney's given two interviews to us. Um, now, I think that the club, if what they're trying to do there is actually trying to uh, connect a little bit more with the supporters and maybe answer a few of these questions about communication. But those uh, interviews haven't come with any stipulations on our part in terms of we have to push a certain editorial line or we have to push a certain candidate for the job. Um, and I'm pretty sure that if that was the case and we'd actually been told you've got to do, uh, you've got to do something uh, in order to get this... You know, like any newspaper, we'd we wouldn't do that because there's absolutely no point. You know, if we go and interview Lee Charnley, we have to we have to be able to ask him questions. We have to be able to do that. There's absolutely no deal. There's nothing being signed. There's nothing being said. There's no agreement. The only agreement uh, is that obviously when we're asked to uh, interviews or whatever, we we cover those interviews and we we cover them fairly. So we give once we give maybe the side of 
uh, the people that are trying to talk to us. So, for example, John Carver, when, when, there's, uh, when there's quotes, we present those in a way that allows people to maybe make their own mind up and then we give our own opinions or we give our own analysis on it, similar to the Lee Charney thing, uh, last week and the week before. Now, I don't know, but that's, that, I think that's fair. And if I felt that it wasn't fair and I felt that we were pushing a club line, especially when there's a lot of antagonism out there to the club, I think we'd be in on really sticky ground. I understand that's not going to satisfy everybody, but that's the honest answer. There's absolutely no agreement between the Chronicle and Newcastle United that we have to pursue a certain line or we have to uh, push a certain candidate for the job in order to get access to the club. Um, simple as that. Absolutely simple as that. So um, there you go. Um, Andy, you're sort of covering it from, uh, you're kind of covering it from the office at the moment, mm. uh, but you're looking at things and, and sort of assessing the social media mood in particular. Um, do you think, do you think the social, do you think social media is a valid way of measuring um, Newcastle United fans' attitude? Do you think it's maybe a bit too extreme at times, or do you think it's, do you think it's fair enough? Like, uh, it gives. It gives license to those fans to express themselves in a way that, in years gone by, has not been the case. It's more so the immediacy. You, you kind of, I think, when people have written letters and things, whether it's to papers or to the clubs, they've had time to kind of, you know, construct it, take a bit of time. 140 characters straight after you've just been spanked five yeah. nil. There are a lot of sort of heated things said on uh, on our social media pages, and, and I think it, I think it's good. I think it's great for capturing an initial. Feeling of what you know, what's gone on, what's the kind of raw emotion? But I think the problem with that is you're only getting a you get a proportion of the fans. You know, those fans are the ones on Twitter, a slightly younger generation. Um, they might be the guys in the stands, they might be the guys in the pubs, but you're not also getting those people who are an older generation who aren't the ones writing letters anymore. Mm. Um, so it's a good barometer in terms of an instant reaction, but I think sometimes you get in snapshots and you're also getting the problem with it is as we see quite a lot is the there's quite a lot of abuse uh, that gets kind of uh, thrown around and some of it I think they're not your guy that's going to come up and say it to you they're the guys that sometimes sit behind the keyboards but they're entitled to their opinion the only problem is as I say I think it's heat of the moment with a lot of that stuff Mm. whereas I think actually the letters or times when they're able to send stuff in. It's been a little bit more measured. Ironically enough, I actually got a letter last week, which was, I um, can't remember the gentleman's name. If he does listen, I did receive it. Um, and it was a great letter. It was, it was thought out. It was constructive. And they're the kind of things, actually, you almost like to see a little bit more of because it is, you've got a little bit more scope to you know, curate your thoughts, yeah. I think. I mean, I absolutely love social media, personally. I think social media is uh, terrific, and I think... It's got, changed the game. Yeah, it's, massively, it's absolutely, game. absolutely. But for the better, I think a lot of these, a lot of the supporters we're talking about, I mean, it's completely wrong, and I think I think we get some people in, in, in the game kind of right off social media as, ah, oh, it's all just people just rattling cages. That's absolutely rubbish, because right. a lot of the people that I follow, a lot of the people that kind of interact with me mm-hmm. quite a lot, uh, and some of the people that have accused us of, of having an editorial line, <laughs> go to all the games, mm-hmm. they are... Quite a lot of them were, were ahead of the curve with a lot of the Alan Pardew stuff. Quite ahead of the curve, I think, possibly on a lot of other th- other stuff as well. And they kind of inform a lot of a lot of the debate, and and, and they're really, really, really good. Which is why we're kind of which is because there might be some people out there who are saying, "Well, why are you dealing with with what people say on Twitter?" Well, actually, because 
we think, as a team, yeah. do you know what? It's a fantastic tool, and we do listen to quite a lot of what's being said. I, I don't listen to all of it because some of, some of it is like, yeah. a bit unfair and a bit vindictive. But we do listen to quite. I, a lot. I think it's it's, it's, it's a mass, it's a massive audience. It, it's totally changed the game. I think I think I think it's been brilliant. I, I I think people who write it off, I think it's a little I think it's a little naive, a little bit stuck in the ways, yeah. a little bit sort of prehistoric in some regard. Because you think actually no, this is the change. And like you say, there are different type of audience that's all it is it's they're no better they're no worse it's just a different type yeah. and a lot of these people especially when they're on Twitter they're, on, they're the ones checking the stats they yeah. know more stats that you, could, that you can reel off the top of your head you know because they spend so much time and the access yeah. that you get like you say they're, they're ahead of the curve with a lot of these things yeah. it's, na- it's naive to disregard them because if you do then you, you're cutting off a whole part of your audience yeah uh, Lee, here's, here's one from Richard Smith. Um, is there a general acceptance at the Evening Chronicle that if Carver was to finish sort of mid-table or around mid-table, he would get the job full-time? Well, I think from where I'm standing, I think if he finished in the top ten or managed to get higher, which is beginning to look a little bit unlikely because there's a bit of a gap opening up between us and Stoke now. Um, I think if he did deliver that, then I think he would be in with... He'd be in the box seat. Yeah. Um, they've already started talking about players for next season. They've started talking about pre-season. So he's obviously been consulted on on things going forward. So for me, it's uh, he's in with a shout of getting the job. That that's that's what that's what you can say. You yeah. know. Um, I think it would take. I, I think realistically, if you asked Mike Ashley, did he expect to beat Man City at the weekend? Definitely not, which yeah. is a sad thing to say because Newcastle are one streets ahead of Man City. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the game, the winnable games, the Aston Villas, the Sunderlands away. Um, oh, don't say that about Sunderland. I think everybody's uh, everybody uh, in Newcastle. Uh, you know the the games against the smaller teams yeah. that um, are coming up. Um, I, I definitely think if he wins them games. He's, he's in the box to, to, to get the job. Just a question um, about obviously going to see Lee Charney last week. Um, just to clear this one up as well, that wasn't done because the club have made a decision about John Carver and wanted you to start pushing John Carver. Was it that? That's you can. That, that's a really important thing to push out there and say that, that that wasn't the case. It's a strange one because I think that that was it. It was a good interview to get for a newspaper. I think any managing director of a Premier League club. That you get quotes to yourself, yeah. and and you put them out there. That that's a great story. I kind of think of, I can't again. I can't think of a sports editor who would actually say, no, "I'm not interested in that." Absolutely not. Yeah. I think you know Sky would would love to sit down with with Lee Charnley, and you know, you know we're we're a local newspaper. We cover the club, um, and I think it was good for us to get that. And I, I don't know about statistics, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of people read that story. Yeah. So. It's not. It's not all doom and gloom on on, on certain things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, worth worth just just sort of pushing out there now. I mean, you put your own personal opinions on John Carver. I mean, we'll start with with Lee, um, and then we'll go to Andy, and I'll, I'll sort of give a give a little bit myself. Whether you think that he can do this job, you think that this you know this is a job that he can he can make a success of. I mean, I think you've probably put a few conditions on it and said, look, he possibly could if if he got this. Um, I think, yeah, is he is he the right man for the job? At the minute, you have to say he's not yeah. because he's not winning games, but he is working with someone else's team. Mm. 
it's pretty much Pardew's team. So you're going to see traits from the from the Pardew team shining through because it is Alan Pardew's Alan Pardew slash Graham Carr's team. Going forward, he might get together with Graham Carr. They might have different ideas about a centre forward or a defender or a midfielder, and all of a sudden the team's playing with um, the kind of like uh, vibe that fans like to see. You know, they want to see attacking football. Mm. You know, John Carver was here under Sir Bobby Robson and. You know, he was the youth team coach under Keegan. So he knows what can and can't be done. Um, but are you asking me, are the, is the better candidates out there? Yeah, there is. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of... I think Frank De Boer would be a fantastic choice. Um, I think he would go down well with the fans. But how much control over transfers would he have? I don't know. It seems that Graham Carr it's, is picking the players and that's it. There's yeah. no, there doesn't seem to be any negotiation on that. It's Graham Carr's. It's Graham Carr's uh, sort of team. So it's a tough job. I, I, I tell you, it's from the outside looking in to be a Newcastle United manager mu- must be a great thing. But you know, the, the reality of it is, is that there's a lot of restrictions for whoever yeah. comes in, and I think Alan Pardew knew that more yeah. more than anyone. And Kevin Keegan refused to accept <laughs> it when when he was here. Um, so I, I, I think there's better candidates out there, um, and I would. Uh, personally, I would like to see a, a high-profile manager come in yeah. and really put his stamp on the team and, and try and lift the club back to the heights that we know it can get. But yeah. I think they're pretty much settled on being a top ten club these yeah. days. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because your point there is like basically, I think you've got a kind of uh, when you're covering Newcastle United now, you've got a kind of scenario that you want mm. and a scenario that we're kind of working within, and you're kind of reporting really last week is sort of saying look this is where we are at the moment and, and yet you, you sit on the podcast and say look really I, you know I don't think of course we, we all want to see I think I think you know we all want to see some a name that comes in and really galvanises things um, and it's interesting that it's maybe not it's maybe just you know there's a difference between reporting what the situation is and where the club might go and then saying what actually we think should happen and, yeah. and you know that is possibly the cross the crosshairs that you were caught in last week whereas you know you, you report in the, the piece uh, especially with Lee Charnley where he said look kept behind John Carver um, don't necessarily agree ourselves but I think you've got a, got a right to you've, uh, yeah. you've got, you've, you've presented it yeah I, I th- for me I think there's a lot of Maybe it goes back to the Freddie Shepard days when, you know, there was a bit of a hotline to, to Freddie Shepard and you could get quotes on, on tap. Mm. Uh, but maybe people think that the situation is like that now. But, you know, you just mentioned yourself that we were banned for 14 months. Yeah. Couldn't even get the couldn't even plug your laptop in, in the press box. So, <laughs> so in terms of, you know, having a hotline to the club and we're all, you know, in it cap in hand, I, I, I thought it just... In a way, without being sound offensive, it just makes me laugh a little bit yeah. because it's just not a hundred percent not like yeah. that. Yeah, mm. um, Andy John Carver. Yeah, funny one because we spoke a couple of months ago, and and I thought I think I said on the podcast, I said no, nope, stay with him, good, on the condition you bring in somebody in the summer. And, and um, you know, a few of you guys had said at the time, thinking, yeah, it's all well and good if you stay with him, but you have to land a pretty big fish in the summer. You know, you, you can get if you get someone in January. It's a slightly more limited market, but you've got somebody in. I still stand by. I, I don't think it would have done any good to to have changed him. 
if they bring in someone like Frank De Boer, I think De Boer would be brilliant. Mm. He's the kind of he's the high caliber. He's the he's the name. But also what comes with that, and it's, I don't mean to say that the players have no respect for John Carver, I'm sure they do, but I'll tell you what, if he, someone like Frank de Boer comes in, everyone kind of perks up a little bit, hairs on the back of your neck, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, oh, right, okay. You know, that, a bit of fear factor as well, and I'm pretty sure John Carver's a bit of a scary guy as yeah, well, yeah. but I think that's the kind of play, manager that comes in. And the key point there is manager. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm struggling a bit, because I think anyone high profile or anybody of a big name, big personality... <coughs> Would want everything, yeah. You know, and he's going to go. No, I'll tell you what. Hold on, it's my team. I want to. I want to be the one that that decides where we're going to go with this. Build a philosophy. Build a team around what I believe is the right thing to do. And I'm just not sure. Obviously, we've seen uh, with John where he said, you know, he, you know, fine, bring in those team, and he'll kind of work it. And I'm sure he would work with Graham Carr. But if it's Graham Carr's team, I'm not sure somebody of a really big name would... would I'm not sure how well that would sit with him. I, yeah. I, like, I still like a manager. I like them to be in charge of everything. Um, so I think it's right. Keep him for the, for, you know, for the next, what, 12, 13 games that we've got, we've got left. I thought that was the right decision at the time. It's, um, it's also justified to him, a, a true servant of the club, being there through thick and thin. You know, it's, it's tough for him at the moment. It's tough for everybody. Um, you know, just one thing about the weekend. You know, it must have been an absolute nightmare for him. Goes in with a game plan. After 28 seconds, it's out of the window. You know, you, you've got to then adapt to that. It's mm. not going that well. But really, like I say, Lee said, top 10 club, top 10 is achievable. If they bring in somebody, I still think even if he gets top 10, I think he, I think they still bring in somebody else. But the problem is, it's it, it's who because mm. I, I just I'm worried that anybody of a really big name is going to be put off by. So what what shackles have I got have I got mm. to work with here? So um, fine for the moment. I would I would love to see De Boer. I would love to be sat in a couple of months <coughs> and saying what a fantastic appointment that's been. Yeah. Uh, I mean, per, uh, from a personal perspective, I mean, this is probably going to sound. I'm probably like uh, on the other the other end of the spectrum, and I just I just I just don't think that John Carlo is the answer to this Newcastle United job, no matter what no matter what happens, really, and that's. You know that's no offence to John because you know obviously he's um, you know he's got a lot of respect in football and people like him, but he's just not the man for this job. He's not the man for this club. Uh, my worry, and I feel really sorry for Newcastle United fans because we're in the second season now where this season has been written off effectively mm. at the halfway stage. Um, I just feel that nobody trusts what's coming out of the club at the moment, which is partly where we're kind of caught in between in between the middle of it. I don't think that's. Um, I think that's a, a big, big problem that the club have, that nobody has a feeling that if John Carver gets the job, that they've actually been out there and looked for the people who want to do the job and they're not prepared to challenge what's going on at the club. This blueprint that they've got at the moment, it might work in certain ways, but you know, you're seeing the club gradually getting worse as a whole. Um, Alan Pardew was lucky to have that job, in my opinion. John Carver's even luckier, I think, to have, to have that role, and I think he'd probably admit that himself, it's not a role for a managerial novice. It is a job for a somebody who comes in, can galvanise that football club, get get them playing the right way. I mean, the players are coming out and saying, we want John to have the job, he's doing a really good job. But they're not then going out and doing it. No. Six points in seven games is not good enough. It's relegation form. I'm sorry, but I think a decision should already have been made that John is not the man and they should start looking for external candidates. Do I think that's going to happen? I think, go back to what Lee said last just a few minutes ago, Absolutely 
absolutely in the air, really. I don't know. There's only one person that we know that they've spoken to definitively, uh, Remy God, and that all went quiet, and he was there on was Saturday. There, yeah. We don't know. that Gaultier, they didn't talk to him. The Boas people are saying they haven't really spoken yeah. to him yet. So who have they spoken to apart from John Carver, Remy God, who's then gone quiet? You know, my worry is that the club are going to sort of they're going to do what I think a lot of people out there on Twitter are worried about. They're just going to quietly sort of say, well, we went out for the best of the candidates and we're going to go, and John's got the job now and they're going to go about the business and they're going to probably get enough right to stay in the Premier League. But what is the point in Newcastle United if this is all they're going to do every season? There's two seasons now where we're getting to springtime and we're, we're saying, look, look at, that, look, at, look at these heavy defeats. And I think it's just not on, you know. I just, I just, for me, it, it, it frustrates me and angers me that this club is not doing everything it can, everything it can do to be as big I th- as... I think it's a big frustration, especially, it must be a big frustration for the fans because you get somebody in in January and that's almost sort of half problem solved, whether it's that big name, whether it's not. The problem being is that everyone's thinking... Yeah, you might be saying these things, but what you're actually doing... I think yeah, that's, I think that's what, you, yeah. what you're saying. Lee, I've got a couple of, couple of questions for you. A couple of really good ones. Um, first of all, uh, we've got David Appleton here, uh, who's and just going slightly off the, the John Carver sort of read. He thinks a massive issue for Newcastle United in recent times has been the lack of leaders on mm. the pitch. Um, yeah, it's a good question from uh, David. I think I, I mentioned that on... In my, my first take match report on Saturday night, the one that goes straight on the internet yeah. straight afterwards. And I said the, the lack of leaders was there for all to see. Um, you know, we've talked about, you know, John Carver um, potentially not being the right man for the job. Is Fabrizio Colaccini the right man for the job as captain? I don't think he is. I yeah. think he's he's getting slower. Um, he doesn't come out after games and speak to the press as much as he should. I think if you if you're captain of Newcastle United, it's a big role. Alan Shearer sometimes would come out after games and he would tell everyone else, I'll be doing the talking today. And he would he would get all the press round in a huddle and, and he would say it how it was. And he would say, this is not good enough for this football club. No one said anything like that on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I know Daryl Yam might come out and said sorry and I think he'd done a really good interview. But it's not your right back to come out and do all the talking. It's up yeah. to the captain. He's been there now. Yeah. He's an emerging voice from the dressing room and I think... You know he's a good player, like Newcastle have got on the books, but Colaccini should have probably come out and, and and summarised where Newcastle are at the minute, and he should have said this is not good enough. He should have been the one doing the apologising uh, because because once they cross the white line, Colaccini's a manager on the pitch, and he did not g that that team up at all. I was watching him. Mm. The only two players I seen that were looked even slightly bothered were Tim Krull, who was berating his defence. And Johan Gufran, which was a surprise because uh, he's not normally the most vocal of guys, but <clears throat> Colaccini, no, he'd done it earlier in the season as well. Mm. Um, I think it was highlighted. Um, I think when on both of them 4 0 defeats at Southampton, they both ended up getting analysed on the Monday Night Football with uh, Carragher and Neville, and I think they really highlighted the problem um, that the Newcastle defence has got with Colaccini, just mm. too flat footed, not the, not the player, you know. That, that game against Sunderland when everyone when Pardew was calling him yeah, uh, Bobby, Bobby Moore. Moore I don't think he's ever really played anywhere near that that level again and I think that is in a way Newcastle do need strikers but they need defenders more yeah. they've had the same three centre-halves since they won the championship yeah. in Taylor, Williamson and Colaccini and I think they need a. it's it's the age-old problem the Newcastle dodgy mm-hmm. defence they, they've, they've always for me they haven't had 
a great defender since Jonathan Woodgate was at the club. Yeah. He was injury prone, he ended up going to Real Madrid. Um, he hasn't played much football in his career. But when he was fit and when he played, mm, he's exactly. the best defender I've seen at this football club. Yeah. Um, and he could do with someone along them lines. Uh, it's just another, just another one. I think probably the last one we'll kind of do about the tone of our coverage in terms of John Carver. But it's a couple of, couple of tweets here from um, Steph, NUFC, and TF Betsy. Um, and I'll just say, just go into Steph's one. Um, will the uh, will the paper start to reflect its readers more by focusing on the John Carver poll, which we've run, um, which says 92% of people are not convinced uh, that John Carver's doing enough to get the job, um, rather than over-the-top praise? Now, I'll leave that one open to you, Lee. Uh, I think you've kind of addressed most of it, mm. um, but um, but we are listening to what the readers are saying, aren't we? I mean, we are, that's... Well, yeah, the fact that there's... There's a vote yeah. available for them to do it. Um, kind of contradicts that that question. Um, I cannot think of any article that I've wrote that's that's where I've particularly praised John Carver. Um, I've, I've done the behind the scenes piece, yeah. but that's just reporting an insight on what's going on behind yeah. the scenes. Um, and reporting quotes again, reporting quotes is not does not mean that I agree with what's been said in those quotes. Mm. So I think there's. You know, certain you know people they need to perhaps educate themselves a little bit about what newspaper reporting's about. Um, you know, if I was a political writer and I was writing Cameron's quotes, then would I? Does that mean I agree with them? Mm. Don't think it does. Yeah. So. Uh, and TF Betsy, uh, the point that he's made is it's sort of similar stuff, really. Uh, but he's made a point at the end: is a request? Is there a request from Newcastle United to endorse John Carver? Um, Simply no, isn't it? Well, it's a straight no, and I'm yeah. sure you'd back that up. Yeah, exactly. No, no, there absolutely isn't. So nonsense. I think we kind of. I mean, I think. I think what's uh, what's interesting. It was kind of a, a good uh, a good little thing last week um, that there's a Twitter account called Mike Ashley's Lies, which is uh, which is quite an inflammatory sort of Twitter handle, but actually some really interesting stats on there, um, and not always not always negative. Be fair, but um, but they did a list last week, um, which I think which I was quite interested in, and went through it and put in red the negative articles and in black the positive articles that were written about the club. The last ten articles that were written about the club, and um, worth pointing out here that uh, obviously I think I think me and you, Lee, had done sort of mostly positive in this in this thing, and, and whatever the other writers, Neil Cameron had written mostly negative. But what I found interesting in that was the implication that anything that you'd written that was positive about Newcastle United, even if it was true, was kind of like, you know, uh, against you. And so we'd done a few things on um, the academy uh, in particular, and those were kind of like, it was almost like for, for some people on the Twitter handle, um, it was like, you know, that, that was kind of proof that we were just being completely positive about the club. But, um, but I also did a piece last week in which was saying that there'd be a recruitment drive in the summer to bring players in um, and accused of uh, on by one Twitter person that it was it was propaganda. But, you know, we'll see in the summer, won't we? You know, I, I'm, that's come from a decent a decent source, somebody who's, uh, somebody who's telling me, an agent, as it, as it happens, who's telling me that Newcastle putting the feelers out, not from the club. Um, but uh, but I, did, I did find it quite interesting because I think there's definitely... Um, there's definitely that feeling out there, and uh, and it's obviously something well, it, it, that we need to address, and something that, that the club probably need to address as well. Yeah. I mean, I know what you're saying when you're going through it and it's red, black, or whatever. But that's just someone else's opinion. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's a fact. Yeah. What what I write um, and what another writer puts down 
doesn't doesn't necessarily mean one's being positive, one's being negative. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just different. It's just different vantage points. Exactly. Different journalists have got different contacts. Some yeah. have got more contacts than others. You know, some haven't got any contacts at all. Yeah. So, it's it's all about opinion. You know, and, mm-hmm. and you cannot just categorise it positive, negative. Um, if you read what I've wrote thoroughly, I think there's been a lot of criticism in the last 12 yeah. months. And also worth pointing out, I think, why it was unfair to you is because um, you write the back, two back-page stories for the Chronicle virtually every day. And, you know, so you're coming up with a lot more content, I think. So uh, there's a lot more quotes pieces in particular on a, on a Sunday mm. um, that are, you know, you write the quotes pieces and the first page match report. And so other people, it's left to do the opinion. So as the Newcastle United editor, I think it's, it's worth me pointing out that, that fact that when you're getting the stick, your head's above the parapet um, a lot more than anybody else who writes about Newcastle United mm. because you produce a lot more content it's about Newcastle United so uh, and you know you probably don't agree with everything that I write I don't necessarily agree with everything that everybody uh, writes but I think that everything that goes in is always written honestly and from a very uh, very honest ba- uh, point of view but also usually written with a lot of um, with a lot of kind of access to the club or not, not necessarily access to the club but access to people who know what's going on at that football club so sometimes you might write something and I'll see it and I'll think oh god I can't believe they're thinking of selling David Santon or something but you know if you've written it it might not be that I agree with what the club are doing or I even agree with like what, what, you've, what you've, you've written I'm like oh, how can they be selling another player there but you know that's right and I think again I'll defend you on this one as well like a lot of the news pieces that we've written you know, I can't recall uh, you know many transfer stories or many contract stories or many injury stories that um, that you haven't got right, negative, positive, um, and, and what have you. So that's that's you know that, that's what I said. Um, right, okay, we've done. I think we're probably covered enough about the editorial line. So what next right now? Because I think we're um, we'll just cover really really quickly now. Um, Lee, where does where does the club go from here? I mean, they've got 13 games left. You look at that list. There could be some more days like Saturday. What can they do to, to sort of push this and make this right? Well, they, they need to uh, beat Aston Villa uh, quite convincingly. And I think that this fixture is probably one that the fans will want to get their teeth into. Um, when Newcastle relegated in 2009, uh, I think the Villa fans, they danced on Newcastle's grave a little bit um, and they kind of waved Newcastle in the Championship. And it was it was quite an emotional day for Newcastle fans. Uh, and I thought it was a little bit little bit harsh. Now, tables have turned a little bit now. Tim Sherwood's come in, lost his first game against Stoke. Comes up here in need of a win. Um, I think Newcastle fans will take a lot of pleasure in uh, you know helping Villa on the way if they, if they go into the Championship. Um, I don't think there'll be any love lost from mm. most juries. Um, so, so, but it's the... What I'm trying to get at is this is a game where they can maybe like reignite the season a little bit. Yeah. If it goes the other way, then I think we could be in for a long, a long uh, final sort of dozen games. They need to beat Aston Villa. They need to win the winnable games, like I said earlier. They need to go to Sunderland and get a win. Just to keep the fans, mm. you know, give the fans something to cheer about. We done an article last week about what was left to play for. Um, you know, there's some games on there that you can. John Carver can certainly. Win a few fans if he beats Man United, if he beats Arsenal, if he goes to Liverpool and gets mm. something, if they beat West Ham on the final game of the season. They're all games where he can make a case for himself. But really, let's let's see some um, res- respect for the fans in the in the last sort of dozen games and 
give, give let's give them something to cheer about. Mm, definitely, Andy. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Tim Sherwood, and I think I think when he came in, he's targeting was it six six wins or something around that for Fulham, which I thought was strong. Interestingly, that's what Newcastle are going to have mm. to do. You know, I mean, I think I think it's April. They've got the really tough month, and it's you know some potential horror. It could be a horror month for them, but some back end fixtures. I tell you what. They put a decent run together at the end. It's teams that you kind of usually expect to win, but you know teams that could be scrapping for their you know, survival. Um, and I think six wins for Newcastle's it would be a it's a tough one. But I tell you what, it's a, that's the kind of target that they're going to have to look at. And it's and that's not just for for Carver. That's because they're games that they should on paper win. But they're the games that Newcastle United should be targeting. So I think that's actually. As much as I know Sherwood said it for, for Villa, I think that's probably a better, more reasonable target for, for Newcastle. It's a tough one, but like Lee said, this gives you you put in a good performance, even if it's a you know it's a one nil, two one win, something scrappy, the performance is there, that everyone goes, Alright then, let's kick on. The worry is you then go, you know, it's one win here, but then it goes on the back of you know three losses, you've got a tough game against Man United. Wow, yeah. You know, um, so I think you put a good performance in against Villa, hopefully get a win. The performance matters more than the result, as much as I've just said you need six points, six wins. The performance against Man United is massive. You put in a shift and everyone stands up and fights for themselves. Even if you come away from a loss, everyone can go, right, fair enough, you've, you, you've played for yourself there. Saturday was a, Saturday was a lesson, uh, and it should have been learned previous at the Southampton game, so, but it wasn't, and it was it was learned because it's, uh, it's just not good enough. Yeah, I think... Um, Two home games. These could. I mean, this could be a massive week for Newcastle. My, my worry is not necessarily that this is not. You know, that, that this is going to get into a relegation fight. My worry is there's just not enough players. They've got too many injuries. Mm-hmm. They've been the, that squad's absolutely stripped to the bare bones. So it's going to be a. It's going to be a pretty big um, couple of games. I think. Uh, just, I think that we'll sign off from there. Uh, just, just as a, a final point, anybody who's listening to this, who's more, who's still quite interested in the, the stuff about the Newcastle United editorial line, um, our Twitter feeds, our emails are on the back of the newspapers. We are completely here. You know, we, we're here to be shot at in a way, um, but we'll we'll respond. You know, we'll we'll talk. And if there's any ideas, any things that you think we should be covering that we're not. Or things that we're doing, please email me in particular as the Newcastle United editor, um, and I'll I'll get back to you. I think that's the uh, that's the most important point. But hopefully we've we've kind of uh, addressed a few of those points as well. And hopefully uh, hopefully we'll be sitting here next week talking about a a, a much a long overdue win and able to sort of talk uh, a little bit more positively um, uh, about everything Newcastle United. So thank you from me, thank you from Lee, and thank you from Andy. Cheers.